If you're just tuning in, uh, glad you could be here today. Um, my name is Kevin Conover, and I host a radio program down here in Southern California called Educate for Life. It's on KPraise, which is the local Christian radio station uh, down here in Southern, Southern California. And uh, we're having a, a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now with uh, what's happening with the protests all over the country and uh, with COVID and everything else. And, and so uh, it's nonstop, uh, nonstop just drama and action and all kinds of stuff. And as Christians, you know, my job as a, a Christian, I'm a Bible teacher at a local uh, Christian high school, is to make sense of this in light of the scriptures, in light of the word of God, and to say what is really going on here and how do we best, as Christians, be salt and light to the world. That's our goal. Our goal is to be a reflection of Christ. And we wanna, we wanna respond to the issues the way that Christ would respond to the issues. And so um, that's what we do. And um, just a little plug for my website, educateforlife.org. It's a full online curriculum uh, for those of you who have shifted to online schooling that is all about a biblical worldview and answering all the tough questions people have about God and the Bible. And one of the questions we're going to talk about today is the issue of racism. A lot of people get really uncomfortable when talking about this issue, but it's front and center right now. I don't think there's, uh, there's not really a way to avoid it. And so um, I, when it comes to issues like this, I like to just tackle them head on and say, okay, let's have this discussion. Let's be as loving as we possibly can. Let's be honest. And uh, you know, let's just uh, hear each other out. And um, ultimately, we, we want the truth. And my guest today is uh, William Clay, and uh, I call him Clay. And uh, he's an awesome guy. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things about Clay that struck me when I first met him, because we actually started teaching at Christian High School at the same time, uh, was his smile. He had a huge smile. And uh, you, you can't help but um, start to feel comfortable around somebody who smiles like that. So, so uh, Clay, you're the man. Um, but right now, he's also a full-time math teacher. He's a professor. Uh, at a college in um, what state are you in, Clay? South Carolina, no? Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Myrtle Beach, okay. And then you also are a coach. You were you coach basketball at Christian too, and yeah. um, you've got your own the D, the DR Skills Academy, uh, yeah. where you're training up young people to be athletes, but at the same time you're instilling uh, godly character in these uh, yes. students as well, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's awesome. So um, Clay and I have been friends for a long time on, on Facebook, and we just struck up a conversation over these issues because, um, you know, I think it's important to have honest dialogue back and forth about these, and we're dialoguing about, hey, how do we deal with these issues? How do we deal with the issues that are popping up in the news? The, the controversy, just, just two days ago, another uh, young black man was shot, and uh, tragically, and uh, people are upset about it and you know the and then you're you're watching all these uh, videos of the police defending themselves at the same time and so um we're just another avenue to uh, reflect and to talk about how do we move forward here so clay why don't you share with us your perspective and some of the things and um it, we have slightly different perspectives too i think um probably we have a lot in common at the same time but uh yeah. this will be good for us to just chat and, and hear each other's views so um Give us some of your perspective and some of your background too. You know how you became a Christian, maybe some of the issues you've dealt with in your own life, um, growing up and having to deal with people who are discriminating against you. Would love to hear your background and um, some of what you've gone through in your perspective. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, first off, Kevin, man, I appreciate you for you know inviting me on. I mean, I think that's awesome because um, I think as as Christians, you know, for those of us who love Christ. 
man, like w the issue isn't going to be solved, you know, with policy or in the White House, right? Like, we just be honest, right? Like it has to start with us, with the church, you know? So, so I mean, I think for us to be able to dialogue is awesome. So I, I appreciate you for, for coming on, man. I know your heart and so uh, for the Lord. So, so again, thanks. Um, Absolutely. Uh, just a little bit about, first of all, my faith walk, um, man, I, I went to Pensacola Christian uh, Academy. All right. Um, so uh, I, I know that back when I was there, I know that there were a number of different uh, administrators at Christian who, who like graduated from the college there. So yeah. I went there from K-5 through eighth grade. So very conservative Christian school. Um, I actually have a nephew who's like my son. He, he goes there now, actually. So Becca Book Publication, you know. They kind of standard bear for, you know, for Christian education for a long yeah. time. Yeah. So uh, grew up in that lane, in that space. Um, but, uh, but I mean, man, been just got saved early, man. I mean, I don't know my life without Jesus. Like I had, you know, my mom definitely exemplified that. I had my mom and my dad, my, my dad later on in life, but um, definitely had pastors and awesome men in Christ who, you know, until my dad really grew in his faith, God just kind of, used you know, put those men in, uh, to plant those men in my life, and they exemplify godly character, godly coaches. Even as a young man, as a young Christian, like having someone like Coach Lowry and Coach Starr when I was at Christian High, I mean, still to this day, Coach Lowry pours into me. And and, um, and so um, so in terms of who I was in Christ, man, I had a lot of great godly examples. Um, and and, uh, and so uh, from that aspect, like, but even when I was at Pensacola Christian, I mean, like, let's face it, I was probably one of maybe – 10 blacks at, in the school, right? So you're going to be one black in, in, in a school, you know, in a class full of, you know, white counterparts. That's okay. Right. You learn, you live and you learn. Right. And, and so, but you know, you, you begin to hear certain things. And, and when I was at home, you know, you know, you go home and you understand that, you know, even in the history books, the way certain things were written, you know, um, the way slavery was skipped over, right? Like the early, you begin to wonder, okay, like I'm hearing these things talked about, outside of school or you know outside of class but you never hear them addressed in class like for example like Tulsa riots in 1921 right black wall street like that was never heard like we never heard of that we you know that wasn't why not you know and so so even from a young age you begin to understand even though we we love jesus and we you know we we all worship, worship christ together you you begin to understand that wait a minute like my history and the things that uh, i've gone through you know in that historically, you know, people who look like me have gone through, they're, they're different. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah. um, so I think that, that, that early on was kind of that seed was planted that, you know, Hey, you know, outside of the walls of the church, a lot of times, man, you know, the world sees us differently. Um, and so I grew up with that. And, and, and as I said, even, you know, like I, I went to, I was a, I was a teacher at Christian, as you said, you know, and, and, so, um, you know, I, I told you, like, even, even in certain instances, I had a student who, you know, and I, I told you, I had a student who said, hey, I yeah. had certain things said to me that were out of line and out of bounds. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, so, mean, I was just going to say, you know, in my classes, I teach 12th grade, and I do a unit on racism, and I ask the students, how many of you in here have experienced racism? And um, there's no doubt about it that every year um, – different kids say I've experienced racism right. and there are the black kids in the school who say, Hey, um, this yeah. is what yeah. happened here at our Christian school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and, and you said you, you, um, when you were messaging me, you were talking about, you know, how can we, 
um, deal with these sorts of issues. And as a Christian, of course, um, we're on the same page. Racism is wrong. The Bible's Absolutely. crystal clear about that. Um, that uh, in Acts it says we're all of one blood. Um, and in, in Paul says there is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. Mm -hmm. there, is no, uh, there, there is no male or female. I mean, so he's obviously dealing with these issues too. These are, these are issues that are happening with them um, where the Jews and the Greeks literally hated each other. You know, the, uh, mm. certain Jews detested the, the Greeks and the Gentiles. And so, um, so that's a real issue. So I guess what we're dealing with here today too is, is okay, so um, one of the issues, and I've, I've interviewed um, uh, uh, Mason Weaver. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a former Black Panther, and uh, he wrote a book on this, and he, he talks about his life experience in racism and um, how a white guy almost tried to kill him once mm -hmm. and how he um, became very racist against whites himself and and a very very interesting story and he met Christ through a miracle just incredible story and and I had um, uh, a black pastor on here in San Diego and um, one of the things that comes up a lot and this is the dialogue that that I'm interested in hearing your perspective on Clay which is that different people are saying there are, there are solutions to this, right? So I look at it this way. If you go to a doctor and one doctor says um, you're sick and uh, the problem is, you know, I don't know what, your, your, your intestines, and then you go to another doctor and the doctor says, uh, no, the problem is your heart, and you've got two different problems. They both agree you're sick, but they're saying you've got two different problems. One of those doctors is going to provide, you know, the movement forward in healing, whichever's right, and then the other one is potentially actually going to harm the situation or make it worse. And so I, th I think um, the difficulty is the diagnosis of the issue, which is, you know, we're dealing with um, slavery in the past. And then we're asking ourselves the struggles that black people are going through now, um, certain black people are going through, not all black people, but certain black people are going through, um, is the cause of this racism or is it something else? And this is where our dialogue is, is that I, I tend to, to lean towards that there's a larger problem that's not racism, but it's another issue. Um, if it is, if it is racism, then I'm, I'm like, we need to as much as possible stamp it out of existence, um, you know, or at least uh, get people to not act racist, even if they're thinking racist, right? right. Um, right. Because people are sinful. That's what the Bible says. The, the heart is desperately wicked who can know it. Um, and only Christ is the solution to the healing of the human heart. Ultimately. Absolutely. Amen. But, but when it comes to the issues of um, like what happened to the gentleman, uh, sadly and tragically, uh, just recently in the drive through and uh, he was shot. Um, I mean, that particular issue, I don't know if you got to look up on that, but where he, he pulled the cop's yeah, taser. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, would you say that that was an issue of racism or what would your perspective so, so be on I, that? I think, I think so. I think it, it, with regard to racism, I want to just kind of like, just kind of contextualize, right? Like, yeah. so I, I do think that, I, I think it's twofold, right? I, I never excuse, you know, sin on any, on either side, right? Yeah. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, if you're, yeah. a, if, you're a, if you're a father, right? Like, you need to be a father, right? Like, I mean, like that, that's just it. But also at the same time, I also understand systems and structures. Like, you know, I, you're, you're a theologian, right? And I, I know a little theology, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a just try my, try my hand out a little bit, but. <laughs> You know, uh, John three sixteen for God so loved the world, right? The yeah. world, you know, I think the Greek word in there is cosmos, right? Which essentially refers to systems and structures, 
You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So the battle that we're fighting in terms of the sin of racism is within, we, we look at everything from a, kind of an individualized standpoint, like yeah. individual to individual, when tr the truth of the matter is, this thing is like systemic. You see what I'm saying, right? The world that we live in, the world that the Bible was referring to was, was systems. You see what I'm saying? So, um, so I think that as it relates to racism, we fight against systemic racism. And, and, and I would say this, and I'm, I'm going to get to your point, but this is something that sure. I often think of. Yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, and, and I brought up the, and I'm going I'm to get to, the, to the, uh, the incident that happened on Saturday. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Take your time, man. So I, I always, and I was telling someone, I said, like, if I came to your house, say you invite, I came to your house and, and I smashed a, a, a glass, all right, on, on the floor, broken to thousands of little pieces, right? Okay. Or hundreds of pieces. Yeah. And, and you didn't clean it up. And then I came back the next day and I smashed it. That, <laughs> and you didn't clean it up for whatever reason. Right. Yeah. And then we did that. I, I did that for a year. Every I, single day. I think I would stop inviting you. <laughs> you would stop, right? If you, yeah. But let's say, let's say you couldn't. Let's say for whatever reason, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. And at the end of a year, I say, okay, you know what? Let's see, let's see if, we, if, we could, if we can clean this thing up. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's going to take a long time to clean up, right? Yeah. Well, you think about it like this. The black family, all right, was, well, first uh, was, was like, was, smashed into pieces every single day sure for 400 years plus every single day through rape culture all right like fathers were literally snatched away from families that was like the thing let's take the father so if that's what's been and i don't excuse it for today right when, when you when sure. you know better you do better yeah but when that has happened for over 400 years we can't say you know and then you, you we're not even talking about jim crow we, we can no longer say, okay, we, we didn't know how to be a family for so long, right? And so now, you know, for 50 years, it's not going to get solved. That, that, that solution isn't going to be there. You see what I'm saying, right? So, so I, think, I, think, I think we're seeing residual effects. And like I said, 400 years to 60 years, man, that, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm a math person. And, you know, I, I've worked with models and stuff like that. It, it just doesn't add up. With regard to the, the, the guy, the police officer on Saturday, yeah. I think that... Um, here's, here's what I think, all right? Did, should the guy pull his taser? No, but the guy was clearly drunk, right? Yeah, so yeah. wisdom would say, for me, wisdom yeah. would say, this guy was drunk, all right? He was in his car, and I think that the, there has to be a sensitivity, and also given the climate of the day, what's been going on for two or three, for the last two or three weeks, like, you've had to have your head under a rock not to see yeah. what's going oh, no, on, no. right? Oh, I'm sure they, they knew right. what was going on. <laughs> right. The, 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 guy, the, guy says, the guy says, okay, I'll, walk, I'll, I'll park the car and I'll walk home. You know what I'm saying? And again, yeah. this is where, like, it, for me, it's kind of like, okay, if the dude says he'll park the car and he'll walk home, like, like walk him home. Like, I don't, I don't I, you know, and I'm not, a, I have a friend of mine who's an awesome man in Christ who is a police yeah. officer. Yeah. Right? He's experienced racism on the force. He'll say that. But is all but is a Christian and, and he's in a no win situation because he's a black he's black yeah. and so his family you know what I'm saying is yeah, so yeah, he's yeah, yeah. but yeah. but you know it, that that's difficult for me because but you like, but but would you argue I'm just curious would you argue that it was racism or was it just a, a bad decision making potentially or, I, I, or? On, in, on, in that one I would you know at first I, initially I'm thinking it's bad decision making right like when you yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, right, like, don't, don't engage. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah. let's, 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 let's seek peace, right? Yeah. 
But then when you shoot the guy in the back as he's running away, like I, for me, it's kind of like, and my wife said yeah. something. She said, she's my, so my wife is biracial. My wife was raised in a small white town in, 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 in Ashland, Kentucky. Yeah. So, so she has a unique perspective on life. Um, but, but, you know, she said, if you can't handle a drunk guy running away from you, you know, then. Well, he had the taser and he turned around and aimed it at him. Yeah. And, 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 and he shot it. He shot the taser at him. I, and, and, which is, which is, and I do not excuse that. And that's why I yeah. say that's a difficult situation. But, yeah. and, and, I, and I think what makes that situation so difficult, right, is all of the other past, you know, like discretions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it does. Like, like that, so, that's what makes that so difficult. So, and that's yeah. a tough one, man. But, like, but I, I, don't, I don't agree with shooting somebody in the back. And, but, but here's my thing. Here's my, here's yeah. my thing, though. Because yeah, this, is what, this, is the, this is the other argument. I, I saw a video of a white guy who was naked. This was in Texas. It happened maybe a year or two ago. I don't know if, I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. But he's literally running around. He was running around shooting people. Then uh, somebody wrestled the gun away from him. And then he's like, he, he picked up some other weapon. And he's, he's chasing the cops with the weapon. It's like a knife or something. He's butt naked. And he's chasing the cops with the weapon. And so when I see that, I say, okay, hmm. He had a weapon, right, as well. He's yeah, chasing yeah. the cops with the weapon. Multiple, like the cops are trying to corral him. He's yeah. chasing them with the weapon. And so, again, hear me. Both of them are wrong, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but, the black pers- but from a black, as a black man's perspective, I'd say, if he was black, there's no way. He'd have been dead. The video, mm-hmm. was, like, the video was like three minutes long, and I'm saying he'd have been dead in 10 seconds. Sure, you sure. Know what I'm saying? Just, so, just based on history. So that's yeah. what makes it difficult, man. And I, I think mean, that's, 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 yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, that's, it, uh, I want to acknowledge that's anecdotal in the sense that, hey, we're telling stories. Here's a white guy that did this, right. here's a black guy right. that did this. And, you know, the stats on it that I'm reading from like New York City and everything um, are not saying the stats. And, you know, this is where we get down to, okay, um, we're hearing different stories. You know, we're, we're hearing one story over here. We're hearing another story mm-hmm. over here. We're right. trying to where your stats are coming exactly. from. Exactly. Right? And we're trying to, we're trying to go, okay, who am I supposed to listen to here? Right. We're both opposed to racism, but right. the question is, okay, what's the solution? And so I want to um, push back a little bit on what you said about the, the whole family situation, because, yes. and just, you, you can uh, decide what you want based on the perspective that I'm, I'm sharing here. But okay. so, um, right now, according to the Centers for Disease Control, um, they're saying that currently, uh, because uh, I believe it is in 1965, um, 25% of black babies were born out of wedlock, but in 2015, it was 73%. In 1965, 5% of white babies were born out of wedlock, uh, 2015, 25%. And in 1965, 24% of Hispanic babies were born out of wedlock. In 2015, it was 53%. Mm-hmm. Now, all the way around, this is bad. This isn't good for anybody for babies to be born out of wedlock. And I actually believe that this is a big part of the problem overall in culture because it went from essentially nobody born out of wedlock prior to 1960, the stats were so low, to now it's 41%. A four of every uh, baby born, four of every uh, child born is born out of wedlock. And the stats on out of wedlock, a a child growing up in a single parent home is devastating. I mean, when you hear the stats, they they seem almost uh, impossible. They're so devastating, but they're very clear. They're crystal clear. And so what begins to, uh, um, and I looked into this because 
I'm like thinking to myself, you know, uh, I've been friends with, uh, I've had black friends my whole life. All, all my life I have. I, one of my best friends in elementary school, Delmar Williams, we used to walk to school every day yeah. together. Um, another kid, Tommy Silver, me and him hung out all the time. Uh, I, in, 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 I went to Point Loma High School. I went to a public high school. I had tons of black friends. Um, many, many of my friends on the wrestling team were black. Uh, my brother was actually the only white guy on his wrestling team in high school. All the guys were black. And, you know, and I've experienced my own kind of racism. I've, I've had stuff happen to me um, where, where I've, um, I was trying to buy a house one time in Alabama and, and I was kind of ignorant. I didn't know uh, the, uh, the racial uh, demographics and I thought, hey, this is a good house to buy right here. And uh, somebody posted a sign on it. It said, we don't want any white people here. And I was like, whoa, wait, what, what the heck? Mm. I didn't know that. And I know you've experienced stuff too. Yeah. And so there is a certain amount of racism that people experience. Just it, it happens, right? That we're, we're sinners. Um, but I think that um, racism, I think what's happening or what has happened is in 1964. So in 1962, they took prayer out of schools in the public schools. In 1963, they took the Bible out of schools. In 1964, Lyndon Johnson started the war on poverty in which they began to um, help. And this was a good heart, right? They began to help mothers who were single mothers by providing them with what they needed in order to help them survive. Um, and the more children they had, and if there wasn't a father in the picture, then they ended up um, being able to uh, get more money. And I, I just want to read this to you and, and hear what you think about it. This is, this is uh, actual facts here, right? So a single mother with two children who earns $15,000 per year would generally receive around $5,200 per year of food stamp benefits. But if she married a father with the same earnings level, her food stamps would be cut to zero. So she loses $5,200 per year as soon as she gets married. That was a government policy that began in th this aid to families with a good heart in 1964. A single mother receiving benefits from Section 8 or public housing would receive a subsidy worth on average around $11,000 per year if she was not employed. But if she marries a man earning $20,000 per year, those benefits would be cut nearly in half. Both food stamps and housing programs provide a very real financial incentive for couples to remain separate and unmarried. Now, here's the funny thing about this. Well, not funny, but even today with COVID, right, I, have, I know people who are deliberately not going back to work right now because they get more money from the unemployment check than they do if they actually go back to work. And I've heard this from multiple people now. Uh, one, one of my friends, the, the place he works is, is a very big company and they're giving him to September to decide if he wants to come back. He can totally go back to work, everything's fine, but he will not because the check he's getting is larger than what he would get if he went back to work. So what I'm saying is, is that government policy does have a real impact on human behavior. Mm -hmm. And so my question becomes, because of this, is the, this is the point that a lot of people are making, is that the, we're seeing the increase in the divorce rates because of the fact that, that um, the government has been essentially discouraging marriage through bad policy. And so what you end up with is a bunch of single parent families with these kids being raised by single mothers most of the time. And this precipitates, uh, and I'll read the stat from, this was a stat from uh, Obama uh, said this. Mm -hmm. 
um, he said, uh, let's see, he's just quoting uh, common stats in social science. Uh, a kid without a father is five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. And so if you end up with 73% of black kids growing up without a father, then the natural byproduct is, of course, going to be crime, dropping so, so out of school. Let me push back real quick. Yeah. So I'm not sure about the 73% stat. Like, I, I mean, as I said, I, I think in our previous- I, I'll, I'll, tell, you where that, I'll yeah, tell you where I, that comes I, from. Yeah, I got mine from NIH, National Institutes of Health. Like, that's kind of the, for research, where, wherever- yeah. Where I go when I did research, you know, uh, you know, I was at UC Santa Barbara doing research, and so I went so, to NIH. So real quick, mine's from the from the CDC, the National Vital Statistics. Yeah, yeah, I got mine from NIH, and so I saw forty two percent for Black Americans. That's, that's divorce rate, though, right? That's yeah, divorce rate, rate. and thirty six percent for thirty six percent. Okay, but I'm so right now I'm not quoting divorce stats. I'm quoting out of wedlock births. Okay. Seventy three percent of Black kids are growing up in a father absent home. Mm-hmm. So that that's uh, the vital statistics from the CDC. Uh, okay, so so again, as I said, that I had like I I'll I'll go back and research that cuz I remember like uh in the previous conversation you said like 75% yeah. Yeah, you know, that was a, that I apologize for that. That was my yeah, mistake. Yeah, yeah. I oh, I was okay. I meant to be quoting this and I was quoting okay. the others. Okay, all right. Sorry I, I, about that. Again, so so even if even if you if that like if that statistic holds, right? Let's say let's say let's you know, say for, for sake of argument, that statistics statistic holds. Yeah, I think from a policy standpoint, and that, and I think this is where we said what's hurting black people, right? Yeah. Like what's hurting? what's hurting? Yeah. So, so as and as Christians, we say okay. I, I think I kind of alluded to that earlier. God is not going to fix, uh, 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 going to skip over the church house to fix the White House. We cannot expect for the White House to make policies on either side for anyone that's going to that's going to help. You know, that's going to solve this problem. So yeah. within the context of the church, which when I message you, that's what, where, where, where I like, where for me, it's kind of like, let's, let's go there, right? Because let's, again, let's say for sake of argument that fatherlessness, right, is a problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then who's supposed to fix it? As I remember, and again, I'm not a theologian, but I also do remember that in James, it says that we should, we, we should be what, uh, uh, or God is a father to the fatherless and we, the church, right? Should you su- or should supplant that, right? We should ultimately be the ones that go to those, the widows and the orphans. And yes, so, yes, so, so, amen. So, so in light of that, how do we do that as the church, right? Because, because that's, again, as I said, God's not going to skip the church house to fix the White House. It starts with us. So within the context of the church, all right, how do we do that? Well, first of all, I think, and this is, this is my, I think my biggest thing, and this is why I, why I message you is because like, so I've been on, I've been on, um, and I was uh, one of the uh, churches in Myrtle Beach, white pastor, one of the, you know, this is large white kind of white churches here. Awesome person, person Jeff Dunn, is, the panel is called Courageous Conversations. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been on that and, and we've been talking about this very issue for the last yeah. two Sundays. And I think the first thing for me is, okay, if the church is going to fix it, then we as the church, right, ha- have to do it black and white, right? But now it's going to be, it's going to have to be our white brothers and sisters in Christ who step up, right, and who, and who speak up for that. Um, and I think that that's probably been the, if I'm honest with you, here's the thing. If, if, 400, if 400 plus years ago, right, if the church had said, no, slavery is wrong, this is wrong right? 
then the race issue, the systemic issues that ultimately led to a lot of what we see today. Again, it's a domino effect. As I said, 400 plus years, every single day, families being broken into pieces, right? Like that's not going to stop because all of a sudden there were a couple bills signed, right? And, and, and like, we're just not going to fix it in 50, 60, 70 years. That doesn't happen. That's not reality. America. Okay, now, like, well, well, William, let me, uh, let me push back on that just a little bit. What? So here, here's the interesting thing, right? Um, and, and this is where I think you and I differ the most is on the solution to the problem. Um, I do believe that um, you are right. God is not going to skip over the church house to fix the White House because really it's, a, it's an issue of the heart. There's no doubt Absolutely. about it. When it, comes, when it comes to real change, it's got to be heart change, and only Jesus can do that. I, I completely agree with you that. Um, there is behavioral modification, and interestingly enough, you know, the question becomes, you know, what role does the government play here? Because the church is not meant to, to do behavioral modification. That's not what the church is meant to do. No, no, absolutely um, not. It's, it, it's, it's meant to change the heart. But, but I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. With my kids, right, when I'm disciplining them, what, a lot of times their, heart, their heart's not in it yet, right? They're not there. So, for example, my son, uh, um, he's a little hard-headed. And uh, he's got a long way to go when it comes to learning about Jesus and, mm -hmm. and it changing his heart. But in the meantime, I've got to protect him from himself. And I've got to protect him from his, uh, I've got to protect his sisters from him, right? Because he's bigger than them. He's older. And he's going to want to take advantage of them. So I have to modify his behavior while God is continuing to work on his heart. And so I guess what I'm saying is this. I'm saying that, that for example, um, it, William Wilberforce uh, is the guy that is credited, essentially, the Christian who loved God, who felt all men were created equal, and fought slavery in Britain. And he's credited with being the driving force that eliminated the uh, legal slave trade in Britain. Um, and what did he, how did he do it through? Now he, he moved on people's hearts, no doubt about it, but ultimately he was involved in parliament where he got policy changes that took place that were God honoring that ultimately were able to stop it. So he was, he was doing it. He was moving in both parts. He was moving both in policy, but he was also moving in, um, communicating the truth of God and the love of God and the truth that God had created all people equal to everybody. And so. So I hear what you're saying, but I, my feeling is that there's such an overemphasis as if, um, as if racism is the key issue here, when in fact there are other issues that are moral issues also, in my opinion. There are moral issues, right? Mm -hmm. um, because the government is legislating moral issues, right? Abortion is a moral issue. It's wrong. And the government has legalized it. That's a moral issue that they've legislated. And we are fighting to, to turn that over, um, right? So, Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And, this, and, this is, and I think that this is, again, this is the, you know, again, you're absolutely right. Like, I, I, I don't disagree with you. But, but this is exactly what, 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 I'm, what I'm saying. Like, um, I, I, I truly believe that when you say, like, okay, you know, we're fighting against abortion, right? And this is, this is where, for me as... As, as I said, within our conversation, and I want to keep this within the scope of, because I, I just, here's the truth of the matter, right? Like, we're never, we're, we'll, we'll probably, because of our experiences, we'll probably never agree on policies and different things. That, that, that won't happen. So as, as Christians, we have to figure out, okay, what's a common ground, right? Like, what's a banner 
that we can that we can like that we can get under together, right? As black Christians, I mean we're Christians, black and white, right? What's a banner that we can get over together to fix to fix this thing? All right, you you know, and and I think that it, and that that's where it's kind of like okay, I got to put politics aside. But here's here's my issue, and and, I, and and this is exactly what I said. I've been saying on the panel, um, and and this is that is to my white brothers and sisters in Christ, and and I uh, um, I think they will they will fight for uh a, you know the sanctity of life, right? They will fight for the sanctity of marriage. Like I've I've been like I said, I grew up Pensacola Christian, K five through eighth grade. I was at you know as an adult as a professional. Uh, uh, you know, taught at Christian. And I always heard those, those issues, sanctity of life, you know, uh, sanctity of marriage. But that, that same fight hasn't, has against racism, systemic, right? And otherwise, we have not seen that from the church, from our white brothers and sisters in Christ, like, like out, out, out in front, you see what I'm saying? And you say, yeah. what could fix it? Like, and I think this is the thing, like, I've, I've, I've been at churches where they pour millions, like, like millions into missions overseas. And I was just with two brothers in Christ, black brothers in Christ, very successful. One's getting his PhD in education. The other one is an optometrist assistant, love Jesus. And you know what one of them said? He said, I don't, he said, I'll never go do a mission overseas when we can go right up the street to the hood and there are people that need it. Why do we fight? It's, it, and then that's, I think that's the point. It's like, why do we fight and pour millions? Why, why do we make that fight overseas to get the gospel out overseas to help them, right? Because you, you, you kind of talked about behavior modification. Like, why do we try to help them, right, in, in two or three weeks, in a missions, missions trip two or three weeks, when we've got the hood right here, and we could go and try to do the same thing there? How about let's start there? How about we go and talk to, talk to the mothers there and do, do community and do life there first? You see what I'm saying? But oh, yeah. That and and that and that is the thing. And so I think yes, you're 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 right. Like policies do need to. I I agree. Can I be honest with you? you I'll can. be honest. With you. A lot of and this is the this is the truth. You have a lot of African Americans who their core values, right? Like President Trump won eight 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 percent of the the, the black vote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I'm gonna be honest with you. A lot of the core values, just in terms of how you know what people think about God and what people think about about you know Jesus. That aligns more with, I have a yes. mom who loves Christ. That aligns more with conservatives. But do you know why black people will never vote for conservatives? Because why? they don't hear the church, our white brothers and sisters in Christ. They do not hear them out in front, not quiet, not silent, but out in front speaking against racism. Now, if they did that, now you get an inroad into the black community. Right. You, you, you get that policy change because why they say, OK, I know that the sanctity of life matters. And to a lot of black people, that matters, believe it or not. Right. Yeah. I know that I know that sanctity of marriage matters. But to you. But I also know that I, who I am in Christ as an image bearer of God, I know that I matter to you as well. You see what I'm saying? We can't yeah. once we can get on the same page with that, then maybe we can we could actually get some policy change. But uh, you said it, it's a heart issue. And, so, and so let me let me let me um, throw this your way and tell you because you're saying here's why black people are not going to vote for Trump. Now I know there there's actually well, they, they it seems like there's they won't vote for Trump, but like I'm saying traditionally conservative, traditionally conservative. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to say Trump, but conservative traditionally. Right. Sure, like, sure, sure. Over history. Yeah. Now, there does seem to be a bit of a change taking place. I mean, the amount of people that I, I've never seen this before with the amount of people that are coming out uh, black. Uh, people that are coming out that are actually saying, I am going to vote for Trump. 
um, there, there's a decent amount of people, but regardless of that, I'm not, I'm not, that's not my focus here. Um, what, what I'm, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Um, but, I, and just tell me your thoughts on this. Uh, uh, again, the issue here to me, and again, I could be wrong. I know there is racism that happens, but generally when people define something as systemic racism, what they're saying is, is there's racism in the system, yes. meaning that actually the actual laws are racist themselves. So the, the laws themselves currently, it, it, it's not racist. There are no quote racist laws where you can say, for example, you can't serve a black or you, you are allowed to, allowed to discriminate against blacks. There's no legal, wait, 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 let me finish real quick. There's no, there's no legal law. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people that are in power that are racist who use their power to then be racist and to keep somebody from being hired um, in that way. Sure, there, that does take place. Um, but, but legally, we have done away with that, you know, through uh, numerous amendments and everything else that's taken place. So that's why we have our first black president is simply because there's a lot of ground that has been gained in that regard. So a lot of white people are saying this, this is what they're saying. They're saying, yeah, racism is an issue, but it's, it's become a minor issue compared to the larger issue, the, the larger issues that, are, that we have to deal with, which they're saying is the larger issue is that now our government is encouraging fatherlessness. It's essentially encouraging this and this is what we need to do something about now now there's policies taking place because i would say honestly that um what happened here in san diego and they this was a huge issue in san diego at point Lom high school i was in the middle of when they began to bust kids in um black kids in to point Loma high school and this was all in the attempt because they said black kids were being locked into schools where they they were which were failing schools now i think this is a public school issue this is the whole school choice issue in my opinion which I believe is a big solution to this part of this problem. But right now, a Lincoln High School has seen failure after failure after failure after they have, which was a predominantly black school, 80%, after they pumped $129 million into the school. And the question becomes why? And this goes back to, well, fatherlessness. Now, uh, yeah, sure, the churches need to go out and they need to do whatever they can to try to support to support those the black families. But the problem is, is if the black if the, if the fatherless issue isn't solved, you're going to continue to have these problems with school dropout, gang activity, teen pregnancy, and all these horrible issues that a lot of these young black kids are facing. I had a black kid come to Christian High. He told me, I asked him, he came from a, a, another local high school. He said, Mr. Conover, if I was still at that school, I'd probably be dead. Mm-hmm. That's what he, he said straight up to me. He said, I, my best friend was killed at, at the school. And I saw that happen when I was in high school. When I graduated in 94, Willie Jones, they named a street after him, everything. He was on his way to an Ivy League school. He was a state champion wrestler, black kid, incredible. And he was shot leaving his graduation party by another black kid, by drive-by, drive-by shooting. And so what some people are saying is, look, you, you had, they quote the stats on the amount of black people killed last year in 2019 by cops. Um, it's a very low number compared to the overall. And then you look at the amount of people that have died in Chicago, which is 6,000 killed by mostly black. It ends up being 0.1% of blacks killed by cops versus the amount of killed by blacks. And so what, what they're saying is the issue isn't racism by cops, even though there are racist cops. That's not, that's not 
uh, I'm not arguing that there aren't those racist cops. They're saying that the larger issue is, is that we've got to help the black family. And, and you know, we can all talk about what the best way to do that is. But so, yeah, so, 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 so first of all, the stats show that so 90, like, so essentially the black on black crime is 92%, white on white crime is 86%. You're more than likely, like, and this has been quoted at nauseum, you're more often than not, uh, like, uh, to, to, you know, murders about is going to be committed by someone who you live close to who ultimately lives like is the same color as you. That's typical. So the black on black crime, it's 6% higher, 6% too much for me, but 86% for white on white crime, 92% for black on black crime. Like, you know, the stats I think are ultimately misleading and you can massage data. Uh, you know, as I said, I've, I've done research, I've published, I've been blessed to publish, you know, uh, in stats paper and like you can massage the data as much as you like to, to get it to fit your model, right? Okay. Oh, um, no, I, I disagree with that, though. Well, like I said, 92, 86% on, is white on white crime. So that's high, too, right? You yeah, see, yeah, but, but, but nationally. But, 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 but I don't want to get caught, on, caught, caught up on that because okay. you, you, earlier you talked about, and you said a lot, and so I was writing down, yeah, I wasn't yeah, 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 writing down yeah. stuff. Yeah, no um, I wanted to address it. So um, you talked about systemic racism, how white, you know, white people are saying that racism is, you know, it, it's kind of like a, a, a moot point or it's, second, it's secondary to a larger issue. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that the, a lot of your listeners um, probably know Tony Evans. Yes, Tony Evans, a uh, uh, pastor at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. Yeah, uh, incredible uh, so black pastor. Urban, urban urban alternative. Uh, Tony Evans has the Kingdom series, Kingdom Man, Kingdom Woman, Kingdom Family. Uh, Tony Tony Evans has done. He has a book that I would encourage everyone to get. It's called uh, Oneness Embrace, in which he addresses a lot of these issues. Now. Here's the thing. His ministry has reached and has touched and has addressed fathers, fatherlessness and has done an awesome job in terms of pulling in, you know, especially fathers in general, but black fathers. Right. I mean, he's he's been doing that for a long time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, renowned white pastors and black pastors. When this thing started happening back in like 2020, 20, uh, uh, early 2012 and then through 2016, they will bring him in to talk to them at large about this issue. But now here's the thing. Right. As successful yeah. as he is now, his radio station is syndicate syndicate all across the world. Do you know that they would that he tells a story about how Christian stations would not allow him on in 1986? They wouldn't allow him on. They like they wouldn't put him on. Do you know what they said? They said our white listeners will not hear, will not uh, take well to a black man speaking on on radio. It took James Dobson focus on the family to write a letter to say that, hey, you need to put him on, this is not biblical, this is not right. Now, you take that away, think, and his ministry has touched my life as a man. As a matter of fact, first time I ever heard Tony Evans was actually at, at when I was at Shadow Mountain. I, I, was, I, I attended the church, that's the first time I heard him. My mom yeah. listens to him now like, he's a beast when it comes down to the word. But, so, so yes, you are absolutely right. While the rules may have changed, and I, I've gotten into real estate and things like that, so while the rules may have, may, may have changed, right, there's still loopholes in gray area where systemic racism is constantly, like, like stop and frisk. That, like that in, in New York, that was deemed that it's wrong. It was struck down by the Supreme Court, right? Because yeah. why? Blacks, it was said blacks were, were like six times as likely to get pulled over, all right, and, 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 uh, and, and, and frisk than, than whites. Okay, like like that was like these like the stats were crazy, all right. And so that rule was ultimately struck down. I think that was back in like two thousand and I want to say it was thirteen, fourteen, right? And so so 
yes, you are absolutely right that the rules have changed, but there is so much gray area. And the people in power, and you say, what? Well, it's all about the people in power. Well, in most instances, let's be honest, in most instances, who are the people in power? They're, and I'm not, blaming, I'm not blaming white people as a whole, but I'm saying, like, you have to remember, you said it's a heart issue. Well, if the person yeah, in power, if the person in power's heart isn't, isn't that of Christ, then, and, and, and they ultimately can kind of set the, the, the atmosphere, set the standard, then we're, we're fighting essentially a never-ending battle. That's why I said, as it relates to policy, it will never happen. It hasn't happened yet. All right, Jim Crow no, is but, but, okay, so, so, and I so, don't think it's going to happen unless we, the church, black and white, and that's why I say we need our white brothers and sisters in Christ to step up and to denounce it and to ultimately, like, and I, and I would encourage everyone to read Oneness Embrace because Tony Evans, he talks about how Okay, so Clay, and so I, I, yeah. I don't think policy. We can argue policy all day. I just don't think it's ever going to change. change <laughs> okay, because, well, I think this is a good discussion because I'm yeah, hearing absolutely. your perspective, and I'm getting to share with you my perspective. Absolutely. But I want to, I want to, um, I want to say something else that because um, you said um, you like having honest conversations. So absolutely. I want to say something that's slightly uncomfortable and, and not really politically correct. But here's the thing, too, right? We, we, it's really important that we dis we differentiate between racism stereotyping, discrimination, and prejudice, right? Because racism is very specifically a person who thinks that they are superior to another race. But there's a difference between a person who thinks they're superior to another race, who is racist, and a person who is used to the general um, reactions of a particular race and is responding through what has become a stereotype or um, what has become a prejudice because this is what they have experienced, right? Can you give an example? Can you give an example? Yeah, so I'll give you an example. So um, if I if I get on a plane and um, I have uh, one of my best friends in high school was Muslim, so I I do not consider myself racist in the least. I I am friends with everybody. I love everybody. I don't have any problem with anybody. Um, I have a problem with behavior. I don't have a problem with where people are coming from. Um, I do my very best to love people like Christ loves them. And I'm a very forgiving person generally too. So, but if I was on a plane and a guy walked in and he was wearing a full white thing, right? And he had on a small backpack, right? Um, just like a, a uh, anybody would, they are immediately crosses their mind. Oh shoot. Now why? Is it just racism? No, it's because what they have become accustomed to is that the majority of terrorism attacks that have taken place recently have been by radical Muslims. Uh, is it fair for is them to America, characterize? In America, in America, 55% of all mass shootings have occurred from white males. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think because I see a, I, and I, I don't think because I see a white male with a gun that, oh shoot, he's about to, he's about to shoot me. And I, so like, I, I think that, you know. Well, well I don't I think, think that, I, yeah. I, I, think, I think regardless my, my example stands and that is this so let's just take it back to this if you have if it's true that 73% of black kids are being born out of wedlock which I, I, again I, I I'd have to okay so I let's let's, see, let's for now we'll use it as a hypothetical okay even okay, though I think I think you're gonna find that the evidence supports that but, yeah but yeah. For, okay Clay. <laughs> okay so let's just go with it as a hypothetical okay. if I'm wrong about the 73% then everything <laughs> the conclusions are wrong. And, and guess what? I want to know that. If, okay. if that's wrong, then I want to know that. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so, but let's say hypothetically, 
if if it's true, well, let's just use Italians so it, it, it takes okay. it off of okay. the, the awesome. – so let's say that 73% of Italians – I'm just using this as a hypothetical uh, – were born out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. And we know that the stats are that the kids that are born out of wedlock, boys born out of wedlock, are much more likely to get involved in gangs. They're much more likely to get involved in crime. They're much more likely to get involved in – uh, uh, they're much more likely to drop drop out of school, and they're much more likely to commit violent crimes and end up in prison. If this was the case, and I lived in an Italian neighborhood, and I was a minority in that Italian neighborhood, or whatever the case, and mm -hmm. I kept bumping into these Italians, and because they were in fatherless homes, this there happened to be this consistent situation. It wasn't all of them, but mm -hmm. there was a decent amount of situation in which this is what I was coming up against. I was coming up against violence. I was coming up against being threatened. I was coming up against these things. Um, regardless of whether the person becomes racist or, or, or they're just prejudiced, because most likely they, they have good Italian friends anyway, right? Mm -hmm. there, because there are lots of good Italians. But because this is happening so frequently, what happens is, is as a result of that, uh, uh, as a result of fatherlessness, not as a result of racism, as a result of fatherlessness, you are breeding prejudice, stereotyping, and discrimination. So, so uh, it's it's food for thought. Well, 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 let me let me let me ask this. Let me ask oh, this. Go ahead. Um, yeah. So, because because I think it's very important. Context is very important, right? Yeah. Um. So. So let's let's say that let's say that I I I would agree with you, right? Since we're hypotheticals, all right? Yeah. So let's say that I would agree with you because again, I always want to bring this back and streamline this to the point, you know, why, why we, we even having this conversation. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So when, when, it, because this is the last three weeks have been about police, police brutality. It's been about yeah. systemic injustice. Um, when I go out, right? Like let's, let's say that, let's say that we got that, we got it down to, we got your, that rate down to, if it was true, right? Let's say we got down to 8%. When those blacks go out, those black boys go out and they're applying for jobs or, or when they are seen in, in the public eye, no one knows if they have, if they have a father or not. Do you, like, do you, do you understand that? Yeah, so as yeah. it relates to systemic racism and police brutality, that argument does not hold because I don't know if you have a father or not. And I can't tell based on how you look. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Okay, but, so, but so as it relates to as it relates to, and I, again, I want to bring this under the umbrella of the conversation that we were having. As yeah. it relates to that, it does not. I uh, I don't know if you remember Tim Harrison. Tim uh, Harrison. He, he went one? to Christian High. Tim is one of the most awesome young men I know. Tim Tim just graduated. He played basketball. Graduated uh -huh. from Rice University. Yeah, I've been blessed. I I taught. I haven't taught at Christian since 2011, 2012. Yeah. Tim is Tim is uh, uh, uh but but I've been blessed to be able to. Like nurture that relationship. Tim has called me at two in the morning sometimes. Like, coach, yeah. I'm going through. Awesome. Like, I, and I pray with Tim. Tim is six nine. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Tim is yeah. six nine. Yeah. All right. Tim is a dark skinned brother, but Tim is one of the most awesome young men I know. When Tim goes out, nobody knows that Tim graduated uh, uh, from Rice University. Yeah. Right. A very good academic school. Nobody knows that. So yes. that's what I'm saying. Like you, like the fatherlessness argument. That's great. All right. That's cool. But within the context of the world, right, in terms of how people see and how the and how blacks are viewed and have been viewed over time, historically, all right, check out Birth of a Nation, right? That 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 does not matter. And that's what I'm saying. And I understand that policies like policies won't change that. You understand what I'm saying? Like okay, so for me, for me, my yeah. listen, I, I, I never smoked, 
all right, a day in my life, never drank, all right? Like, I mean, I, I, as I said, I love Christ, done mission work, all right? When I went to Santa Barbara, when I was in Santa Barbara, I, I literally, when I went to grad school in Santa Barbara, I had my truck shipped there. It was shipped there on a, like a Thursday, all right? That, that Friday morning, I, I pulled out, made a right onto, uh, I want to say it was Camino del Norte, and a left. Five seconds. Guess what? Cop comes, pulls me over, says, my truck has been seen around the, the block, and I fit the description. I just got there for grad school. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Th and that's what I'm saying. That cop didn't know if I had a father or not. He didn't know if I came from a two-parent family or not. Yeah. So, so the, the argument of fatherlessness solving this does not work. It has oh. to be the church. That, that's okay. just it. I mean, like, no, like, but, but the church is important. The church is important. The church is, no, the church is the thing. No, not but, 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 but let me... But let me explain this to you. This is really important because here's, here's what, I'm, what I'm saying. I'm saying if we do not acknowledge this and identify this properly, then we're going to be fighting something that's not going to solve the issue. You're saying the issue is, hey, we don't want people to be racist. But I'm saying- No, 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 no. what do you want for that cop? You, you, I'm just saying, no, 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 the cop- I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want people to be racist. No, I mean, because again, and, and, and I think that, I, again, we both love Christ, so the, 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 both of them are sin, right? Father yeah. and the home is sin. Racism yeah. is sin, right? The yeah. two can be true at the same time. Yeah. What I am saying is, I think what, what we're saying is, is when you talk about, when we talk about, okay, fatherlessness in the home, right? Because it, it, it starts here, right? Um, there are four levels to this, right? So the, the, and I think the four levels are first, personal, personal accountability. That's first, right? Like each individual person, right? And, I, and I'm, I'm more so talking to the church, to the body of Christ. Each individual person saying, because I'll be honest with you, on our, on our courageous conversations, I would really encourage everyone to go and check that out, yeah. right? Um, yeah, what's the website? Where can they, where can they check that I, out? I tell you what, um, I'll send it to you. Could I send it to you? Like, if, you yeah. go to, if you go on Facebook and type in Christ United Myrtle Beach, you'll see courageous conversations. We've done two of them. And as I said, I think it's, I think it's, it's facilitated by uh, uh, Jeff Dunn, a uh, white pastor, awesome, awesome man. He married my wife and I. Uh, we've attended his church for like seven years. Awesome man in Christ, right? Awesome. Um, but but I, but I think I think you know one of the things personal accountability. Now, you I, you know even Jeff, Pastor Jeff was like, I had racism in me. He got beat up by you know four black kids when he was in the fourth grade, right? And and he I mean growing up in South Carolina, and Jeff said I had racism, I had racism in me, and and but he said he said you know it took you know me like saying God I don't want this in me. You know, it took acknowledging it first, right? And 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 for what, who, how that looks, you know, for each individual Christian, like, and I would say this: you have a lot of Christians who say, "I, I I'm not, I'm not racist," right? But I would argue this: um, without without proximity, there can be no empathy. Yes, so and I agree words, with that. I right. So in that. other words, you while while it's easy to say I'm not racist until you actually are doing life right or have to be within the within the the space of someone who's experiencing these things consistently day to day is is i think it, it it's easy to say that until like i said until you actually have, have made a relational investment all right in someone you see what i'm saying who is oh, experiencing yeah. that absolutely but, i think I, proximity I, makes a gigantic difference absolutely yeah. right yeah. so christ christ um, wanted us to be personal absolutely and and and, and look he he wanted us to be so personal that he left heaven to come and he came to us. Right. So I would say for the, and this is what I say about the church, like, you know, for us, like we, I think we're so like, again, Sunday is the most segregated day in the, in the, in the country. And there are different demographics. I know that that 
you know, if you're in Maine, you're not going to get as many black people in Maine. So you're not going to have a diverse, you know, looking church. If you're yeah. in, you know, Atlanta, certain parts of Atlanta, Georgia, you're not going to have very many white people. In. So I get that. But but I also I also think that we actually have to be intentional about making, you know, like about having what sameness of purpose, not sameness of person. I'm not saying that all churches have to be like this diverse. No, but sameness of purpose. That's the thing. And I think that that's where it, where we've missed the mark. And like I said, politically. You know, look, uh, you know, this is the way I see it, man. And I, I vote based on how I what, just, I always pray about it. And I always vote. I don't vote always Republican or always Democrat. I truly do, do vote on, okay, God, you know, like, well, let me look at what this person stands for and what they represent, right? Yeah. But here's the truth of the matter. That's why I say four, eight years of a Republican, four, eight years of a Democrat, like, it, it, that's not going to change it. Like, and I think that we as Christians, we look too much to, to our, our party as opposed to saying, you know what, man, like it's, it's, I'm even seeing in the comments, some people comment about different things like that, which is cool. Right. But, but, but again, please show me the proof. And I think this is the thing I was always taught. I was taught this by uh, someone who, uh, my, one of my professors, um, and for those who are, I'm sorry for going on and on, but one of my professors at Santa Barbara, I'm an applied math major, right. Um, or the CSE, CSE emphasis. One of my professors said this, um, cause I took his modeling class. He says, if someone, if you can, we all have a model, right? Like you have a mathematical model. You have a model for your arguments, right? Or for your, for your position, right? Yeah. He said this, and I think it's so true. If, if you can prove your assumptions, if your assumptions are airtight, then no one can mess with your model, right? Yes. Our yes. Assumptions, if your assumptions, if you can prove each one of your assumptions, then, and show that, that, that they're airtight, no one can argue with your model. Well, here's the thing, all right? If we're making the assumption that policy ultimately is going to fix this thing when policy has not fixed it yet, then, and, and I can give you counter. So for example, you even said, Hey, you know, single parent family, uh, um, um, you know, uh, a kid born out of wedlock. All right. Like that, that leads to certain things. Well, I can show you plenty of kids. I can give you counter example in math and you have a theory of proof, right? I, if I can give you a counter example, then you need to go back and check that, that, that theory, right? Well, not if it's anecdotal. Yeah, but 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 again, if I can show you a number of a number of different different kids who come from single parent homes who have gone on to get their PhDs who become like upstanding citizens who love Christ, then okay, tell me what do what do you what do you do with those? Well, you don't you don't generalize by by uh, anomalies, right? So, for example, but, but, if but I run if I, wait wait I, let me wait I, let me finish let me finish if I run a red light if I run a red light and I don't get get hit, it doesn't mean that running red lights is a good thing. So we don't say. It, we don't say a kid that was successful because even though he had a single parent uh, family, we're, we're, we're all, that's awesome. We praise God for that. But we don't say that then single parenthood is therefore fine. It's not. The stats, the social science about families is overwhelmingly crystal clear. It's acknowledged on both sides of the aisles. The social science is crystal clear that kids raised by a mother and a father I agree are, are with that. far better off. I agree. With, I agree with that. I, I, and again, I am not arguing. I come from. Yeah. So any policy then, if you agree with me with that, then any policy that would, that would discourage the union of a man and a woman and then them staying together and raising their children together, any policy that would create a conflict of interest in that would thereby be a bad policy because it was actually pushing people away from God's plan for their lives and God's blessing and his scripture. Absolutely. Okay, so, so I, I guess, well, let me finish and I'll, I'll give you the last word, Clay. I'll give you the last word because we're almost out of time, but I'm going to let you say the last word here. Um, I, I would just say this. I would just say that 
that it that it is very very difficult to take my Christianity and try to keep it stopped at the government door. What I mean is, we live in a, a country where we are constantly uh, our government is set up in a way where we're constantly integrating what we believe with the laws because of the fact that we live in a democratic republic. Absolutely. And so because that's the case, I literally my Christianity, my, I'm not trusting in a, in a government official to, to uh, save people's lives. I'm trusting in the word of God, which I take and live out. And then I, I, it, it goes right out of my very being into my opinions regarding policy and my, my voting. And that is what changes uh, dramatically people's lives. It's not they, they don't save me. It's Jesus Christ through me and you and the church that influences. The church is the conscience of the government. That's what it is. But, th but that is, but that is the thing. It is the entire church. And I think that, so one, one thing is just, just real quick, because I'm going to get back to that, but, but like statistically, the number of blacks that have been, that have been, uh, you know, completing their degrees and completing their education, that has, that has like doubled Right. Like if you look at it from 1992, right, to, to it was like 1992 to like 2010 and then from 2010 to 18, like that's doubling. So it's something like some like up to upwards of like 40 percent, I want to say. All right. And so so check me on that. OK. All right. But but so so now since 1992, we had a number of different change we have changes in policy and changes in in in, in you know like i mean because we had republican in office for for eight years we have democrat in office for eight years republican so what i'm saying is is but we look at it and we say okay why is it that race and again racial reconciliation is not happening because that's ultimately where all these conversations stem from right why is it is it policy is policy the reason that that's not happening no it is not policy because even you even like i said you even look at uh I can, you know, if you go and you look there, and I hate, I don't want to say it, but you look at a number of black people that, you know, and this is where the conversation was born out of, right? Like, a lot of the stuff that's happening. You look at black people that are being shot, like, some of them came from two-parent families. You know what I'm saying? So, like, and so that, that and that, that's why I say when, when we as black people go out into the world, like, that, like that, that is a moot point because we are not seen at, as the same, like in terms of, in terms of not, and I'm not talking about the church, but I'm saying in terms of the world at large, and I don't think a policy will change that, but I will say, you know, I was, I was and, and I think we're saying the same thing. Personal accountability is one, right? Uh, that, that's the first kind of level, you know, you know, of accountability. Then it's the family, which we, which we both agree, father, gotta have fathers, right? But then yeah. we go up to the church, right? And this is where we stop because the fourth level is civil leaders. Right. The fourth level is government. But the church in and of itself, there is no like I'm just being honest. Like and this is why I said, you know, Sunday's the most segregated day of the year. It's just it's just real. It's what it is. Right. And why is it, though? Why is that? Because, again, we as the church are called to influence government. We in, we influence government. But why yes. can't the church do that? Why? And, and, I, and I would, I would the church, yeah. if, 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 if the truth sets us free. Right. And we have all of these churches. We got churches everywhere. You see what I'm saying? And, and, whole, and I mean, that are supposed to be preaching the gospel. So let's say we we'll talk to the churches that are really preaching the gospel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if if this, the truth truly sets us free and all of these years from a racial reconciliation standpoint, we are still not free. We're still not unified. Then one of two things is, is, is true. Either the truth isn't 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 being taught 
or the truth doesn't set us free. And so I would, I would beg to, to say that that starts from the pulpit on Sundays. You see what I'm saying? Right? Like every yeah. great movement, you would agree. All right. As it relates to like, as it relates to society started with the church. But I just think we're at a point like where there's so much racial discord that, that truth be told until that, until that's solved, like we can talk policy all day, man. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we can talk policy all day until that gets solved. I don't yeah. see us like we. I just don't see it. I don't see us being able to make the change that we really want to make because you know because that's that's. I mean, look, MLK. A lot of people quote MLK, but Martin Luther King. I mean, that, everything started in the church, yeah. right? And then yeah. and then when we had other we had other whites who jumped on board, right? Not necessarily say you know, but they jumped on board. Then change started getting made. And I want to make this last point, Kevin. And I'm I'm gonna let you go, man. I mean, I don't wanna I don't wanna keep you, but but. I would no, say no. That, I, I could talk about this all day. Man, but. look, man. We, day, we were look the other night. We were we were we're, look, we were famous. I was tired of that, but I was like, man, I gotta respond. Right? We're gonna have, we're gonna have a number two after this. We, we got to, man. We got to. But but uh, but but I would say this, like, and, and this is what I said on 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 um on our courageous conversations, and and I know that, and I don't ever want you know any of your listeners think that. Like I said, my wife is half white, half black, right? I mean, when I go to Ashland, we walked into the church. I was the only black dude in there, all right? So, like, I, I, like, I don't want anyone to feel like, like, look, my kids are going to be one-fourth white, all right? So, <laughs> so I, I, like, but again, I'm, I'm a person who, like, like I said, man, God, God's given me a love for everyone. But I would say this, and this is to my, to my white brothers and sisters in Christ who are listening. Um, black people need you. Like, the black, black people, the whole, this issue of racism, you can't be silent. Like, we, we can't be silent about it. But I'll say specific to my white brothers and sisters in Christ, we need you to step up because here's why. In silence, the conversation of racism that ultimately, if it was solved, could lead to reconciliation of the body of Christ, which Satan does not want, which ultimately then could lead to real change at the, at the civil level, right? In silence, there's distrust. But in silence, there are others in society who do step up. And, and, and speak about it and denounce it as, as much as they denounce other things, right? As much as our white brothers and sisters of Christ denounce uh, the sanctity of life and, and the sanctity of marriage and, you know, missions and persecution of Christians, right? We need, you to, we need you to denounce racism because when that conversation gets hijacked, all right, then the people that are, that are speaking up, they have agendas attached. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, there's a vacuum that is that there's a vacuum that is created when our white brothers and sisters in Christ don't speak up and speak out. And when that vacuum, that vacuum is being filled by the wrong people, by people who, who, who could care less about Christ and they got agendas. And for like I said, for black people, man, like that's that's probably been one of the biggest issues. And I thank God, like yeah. I said, for our courageous conversations, because this is something that's being brought up and we're getting a chance to address it. And so, yeah, and I love that. I love yeah, that. Man. Well, hey, uh, Clay, I just really want to thank you for coming on today. Um, drskillsacademy.com. If you guys want to yes. check it, check it out. drskillsacademy.com. Hey, give a shout out to your wife too for, for her, uh, what she's Kate, doing. Kate Clay Designs. So my wife is a, is a graphic design artist. You got to go check her out. If you ever need anything, you know, in terms of graphics and stuff, sweet person, awesome person, does a great job. So. Um, like I said, she does video photography as well. So that's me. awesome. Great. Shout out, shout out to the wife, supporting the wife. Oh, absolutely. Clay, man. It's been a big blessing having you on. And, um, yeah. I'm serious when I say we're going to have a number two, because, uh, there's, know, I, I feel like there's still a lot to talk about. There's so a lot, man. <laughs> this, thing, this thing is good, man. Hey, I'm praying that's for you. That's great. Man. That's great. Please pray for me and I'll be praying for you and, 
and uh, I, I love you and I love your message. So God bless you, bro. I love you too, man. Y'all take care. Okay, signing off. All right, bye-bye.